Today's episode of Ringer FC is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase on any game or sporting event, all you have to do is use promo code RINGERFC, download the SeatGeek app, or go right to SeatGeek.com. Today's episode of the Ringer FC is also brought to you by Hotel Tonight. It's time to talk about Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels, perfect whether you're a planner or you like to leave things to the very last minute. And with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app now. Before we get started on today's episode of Ringer FC, just want to tell you about a couple things happening in Ringer world. On Ringer.com, James York wrote about the nine worst transfers of the 2018 Premier League season. People need to spend their money right. And if they don't, James York is there to witheringly drag them. Drag them. Uh, so that's a really good piece you should read just looking back on the past two transfer markets. Uh, it's NBA playoff season, so obviously keep your ears open for the Ringer NBA show. Heat check, Casey and Verno, sources say, group chat, draft class all week long. We're going up at night, so you can catch that for the early morning the next day if you want. You can stay up late with us and check it out. The playoffs are churning along, so we'll have great stuff for you. We have great draft stuff for you this week with the lottery on Tuesday. We've got a lottery show uh, live tomorrow during, before, during, and after the lottery leading up to the Cavs game, so that should be pretty exciting. So without further ado, let's get to Ringer FC. We talked about the coaching carousel, the end of the Premier League season, some Premier League awards, and Micah's trip to LAFC. Hello, and welcome to Ringer FC, the podcast that's been relegated. <laughs> My name is Chris Ryan. I'm the editor at TheRinger.com, and as always, I am joined by the diamond midfield, Ryan O'Hanlon. My arms are so tired because I've been carrying that fourth place trophy around all week. <laughs> <laughs> Micah Peter. <laughs> no, <laughs> no square balls, okay? Donnie Kwok. What's up, Ar- North London? Arteta in. Okay. Uh, <laughs> as you can see, we're all just shaking off the 2017-18 season as it came to a conclusion for almost all clubs except for Liverpool and Real Madrid. I guess you guys have the FA Cup, too. Uh, 2017-18 Premier League season came to a conclusion this weekend with Manchester City walking away with the league title uh, at 100 points. So shout out to Manchester City. They dropped 14 points all season. Uh, We're going to get to talking about Manchester City. We're going to get to talking about this season sort of in review via some Ringer FC awards. But I actually think... Galaxy Brain, this is the best time to talk about next season. (laughs) Because we had such an interesting experience this season of seeing coaches come in, change the fortunes of teams, coaches dealing with front, like with boardroom unrest and having that impact the fortunes of their teams. But the people who we thought were the best players on teams getting sold mid-season and it not seriously impacting the fortunes of teams. So let's talk a little bit about what we're seeing next season, both in terms of rosters, stabi- roster stability, roster changeover, but also like coaching carousel stuff. 
Ryan, if I had to ask you, what would be the biggest unanswered question that you want to know the answer to going into this summer, which is already going to be chaotic because of the World Cup? What are you most interested in heading into 2018-19? I think I'm most interested in what do you do if you're Manchester City? Because no disrespect to the Invincibles, maybe a little disrespect. They had the best Premier League season of all time. Um, so, you know, do you just run it back with the same players? Right. And, mm. you know, Benjamin Mendy was injured this season. It wasn't It wasn't like a season full of good injury luck for Manchester City. Um, so I'm, I'm just fascinated by you're arguably the greatest Premier League team of all time. What do you do next? You know what I mean? And this team has unlimited funds, um, thanks to the United Arab Emirates. <laughs> and just seeing seeing how they, what they do, what their sort of goal is for next year and what they think they have to do to keep improving after sort of reaching impossible heights is the big question of the summer I mean, is it, me. Well, I mean, like, is, is, it kind of, is it kind of what, like... Um, I guess Bayern and PSG less successfully do when they dominate domestically is just focus on Europe and focus on the Champions League. That's what I was going to ask. Is I'm saying that like because the thing that is standing between Manchester City and I guess the greatness that they are deserving of or whatever, whatever the the image is supposed to be of them in people's minds is their success in the Champions League and crashing out against Liverpool. I mean, like, what was the the main thing that basically caused that? I mean, it was probably, what, not having another... I, I mean, like, they're going to have to add another defensive midfielder, I guess. Yeah, I think it's... But it's for it's almost... I think they just got too cute against Liverpool. They got too cute, and I think there's... You could easily look at this, given how successful they were, how successful they were before the Liverpool match, basically how successful they were in every game where they didn't play Liverpool this season. Um where if they don't match up with Liverpool in the Champions League, maybe they're in the Champions League final. That could just because that team is sort of built to beat them. Yeah. So does City? They still have all this money, and we expect all of these teams to spend. You know, we expect Man City to have a net spend of you know at least like fifty million this summer, sure. just because that's how things go. But do they really need to? You know what I mean? So I think, how do you? I guess the question of how do you add things on the margins when your margins are so much bigger than any other team around you? I don't know how to answer the Man City question except with another question, which is, is this the beginning or the end of the Pep era? Pep's got one more season on his contract. He said that he's interested in making Manchester City a long-term destination, and there's really no reason to doubt him. But he's a guy who burns out, and he's a guy who typically has a cycle, just like a lot of these coaches, where he remakes the rosters and the tactics of a team. Then he finished that job. Then, then he moves he, on. Then he gets a little bit of like burnout and he goes and does wanderlust and then he'll he'll move on to another league, another place. City would seem to be the end point of like his club career. Like I would imagine Yeah, I mean like he's getting there's nothing that he could conceivably want that he won't get at City at this juncture. Right. So I mean, yeah, like I don't know where there is to go after that, more to your point. Southampton. <laughs> so you South can manage Nathan Redman. <laughs> right. It seems like that's very important. This is the yeah. thing that I think everybody secretly wants is for Pep just to go manage West Ham and see how, how good they are. <laughs> or yeah, or at least like a yeah, a, a mid table team with, with limited resources. Yeah, can you play with 
six strikers and one midfielder with West Ham. (laughs) (laughs) This segues nicely into the coaching carousel, which I think is going to be a major factor in uh, what happens in the Premier League next season, especially in the top of the league, because you've got Conte likely leaving Chelsea. Mm -hmm. You've got an opening at Arsenal. You've got Jose stable enough at Manchester United, Klopp stable at Liverpool for now. Pochettino grumbling a little bit. Poch grumbling a little bit. Mm -hmm. The PSG job is filled by Tuchel. Okay. The Juve job will presumably come open if Allegri leaves to go to Chelsea or Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Enrique is out. Luis Enrique is out there to go to what we all assume is Chelsea or Arsenal, though now the Juventus job could be open. That could be a place for Luis Enrique. Who else am I missing? Uh, Carlo Ancelotti being speculated for the for the um, Napoli, well, Napoli job, job, which means Sarri is leaving Napoli, which means one of the most interesting tactical minds in all of world football is up for grabs. So... There's going to be an Everton opening. There might be a West Ham opening. There's going to be a couple of... You uh, think Marco Silva will finally get his well, there, chance that's, to Everton? That, well, that's the thing is Marco Silva might go to Everton. You've got Brendan Rodgers probably could, could, could likely leave Celtic if he gets a job, especially at a Champions League squad. So there's all this turnover. What to use the most interesting job opening right now? Arsenal. Um, just because... <laughs> As we've said, as Micah poignantly put it last time, <laughs> he thought that Arsenal was called Arsenal because of Arsene Wenger <laughs> when he was a kid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? So we just have no idea what it looks like. And, you know, the closest sort of case study we have to it is Manchester City, Manchester United, mm-hmm. who went from winning the league to just plummeting to the middle of the table immediately after Sir Alex Ferguson left. And I, I think it'll be fascinating to, to see what Arsenal does because. We're in an era where most managers just like you're saying with Pep, he just doesn't stay anywhere for a long time. And that's with Pep, it's by choice. His third season is a lot of the times his best season, and then, yeah. then he'll leave anyway. Um, so is Arsenal, do you sign a sort of like club steward type who you think's gonna be there for fifteen years, or do you bring in, you know, Arsenal the attack was awesome this season, their defense was horrible and you bring in a defensive manager just to shore things up for two years and expect him to be gone and then sort of dive into the cycle of rotating managers that everyone else has i I think that is actually the prudent way to look at it is to expect that you're just going to keep bringing new managers to have three three man rather than manage every three rather than just putting all of your hopes on one guy and expecting then somebody to create a legacy for and then you. when it doesn't work out you're just scrambling through the shit well mm-hmm. donnie that was obviously part of the the sort of tension at the center of the Arsenal fan base was this uh, wanting to be honor, wanting to honor Wenger's legacy while wanting to move on in a football sense. Um, for you, do you see that same question coming up that Ryan's like illustrating, which is this idea of having like a a steady pair of hands take over for a year or two while the next Wenger is sought out? I do. I do. I mean, I think that would be the most prudent move, but I I guess if the tabloids and the bookmakers are to be believed, it's Arteta's job to lose. And the tabloids are actually reporting that he's already starting to hire or like choose his backroom staff. And... It's so funny. I mean, it's such a basketball move. It's such a coaching tree move. You know I what mean, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a, it, a Popovich uh, assistant move. And Pep has kind of given the blessing too. And, and, and what... I mean, if you read the tea leaves, it's essentially that Gazidis, Ivan Gazidis, uh, thinks that having someone younger like Arteta, not to say that he'd be a pawn in that role, but more easier to keep in line 
you know, with what the board wants as opposed to, you know, an older experienced uh, coach who might, you know, whose philosophies might jut up against those of the board and, and Miss Lintad, et cetera. Right. Well, that's like, that's, there's also rumors that there is, a, there are a couple of different factions at Arsenal right now, or at least mm-hmm. a couple of different factions in so much as it relates to the coaching hire, which is, that's why you see Tedesco and a couple of German hotshots being thrown out there. And that's assumed to be from Sven Mislandot. Is that, mm-hmm. that's his name? Uh, then there's the Arteta Gasitas thing. And then there's, who did the Barca guys want? Enrique. 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 Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And you, you know, I think Arsenal is like an incredible job. I mean, it's like a beautiful stadium in North London with great facilities and a huge, incredible history and a fan base that's waiting to be energized. But they have been in the Europa League for a couple of years. I heard something like yesterday, somebody was telling me that they thought like Unai Emery should be Arsenal manager because that way you'd win the Europa League. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I I was getting hyped up for Arteta after reading what Pep was saying about him and how integral he's been. Uh, to their success. I don't know if he was just blowing smoke or trying to get Arteta hired, but I'm on the Arteta bandwagon now. I mean, what what can we think of Pep is the equivalent of Arteta? Pep is the Arte- Ar- equivalent of Arteta, right? As far as a accomplished player who didn't have any high-level coaching experience that then became a coach and was amazing right from the start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But also got anyone the benefit else? of coaching what Barcelona be. Yeah. yeah. And then getting the possibly greatest assortment of soccer talent ever assembled. Yeah. Is there another <laughs> you know. sort of corollary? He got rid of Ronaldinho. That's yeah. how good that team was. <laughs> is there, but Donnie, is there another guy that kind of you can look to as sort of an example of something similar to that happening in recent memory? I mean, Zidane, but that's, again, you can't. It's Real Madrid. Yeah. It's a different situation. I mean, there's examples of failures, you know. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, Gary Neville, people like that. But I don't know. I mean, I I think it it seems like it was either Vieira or Arteta all along. And kind of, if I were to predict, and Vieira seems like he's kind of faded away as a name. And Arteta seems to be the front runner and... uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's appointed before the World Cup begins. That would probably be the best for their transfer policy. Micah, um, we're talking about coaches here, we're talking about changeover. Let me throw a theory at you. Okay. Speaking as someone who cheers for a team that is in the Champions League final. Uh, <laughs> wow. Returning wow. to their place among Meek European as ever. Team. No, speaking as like a Liverpool fan who uh, had a couple sleepless nights around the turn of the year because we sold our best player or who mm-hmm. I thought was our best player. Mm-hmm. How do I Should feel about good teams sell their best players? <laughs> <laughs> Should Chelsea get rid of Eden Hazard? Should Manchester United get rid of Paul Pogba? Should Tottenham fund a complete roster rebuild by selling Harry Kane for 200 million? Like, hmm. what do you think of the Euring theory in soccer right now? And that this idea that you might, your best player is great when like it's a shootout with Leicester and you want like somebody somebody with like star quality to go up against it but like actually what you need is depth and what you need is stability and strength throughout the the lineup and not like we got Harry Kane and a bunch of other guys <laughs> I mean like for Paul Pogba and Ashley Young I mean, like for our part, it's just a really unfortunate pairing of player and manager. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think the case would be entirely different if Pogba was playing for somebody that you know liked sunsets and long walks on the beach and whatnot. Yeah. Um, 
I, I, I know mean, a like guy in Liverpool. <laughs> in that. I mean, like, as far as should we sell Pogba? I mean, like, obviously, my answer is absolutely not. Right. <laughs> um, Would you do Neymar for Pogba? Would I do Neymar for Pogba? Mm-hmm. Imagine, <laughs> seriously, I, I really don't know what it is with people saying like Neymar should play to be anywhere close to where Mourinho is. <laughs> like it's like there is not like it's it is there's a zero percent chance that it is going to like I mean. Imagine Neymar in rainy ass Manchester. I'm just imagining be fucking Neymar's lit. dad with Mourinho. <laughs> when Mourinho benches uh, Neymar for Lingard, like ten yeah. games yes. into the season. Yes. <laughs> hey, Neymar is might it, not get along with Tuchel. His Instagram either. story. No, I mean, is... the, the Neymar, the Daily Mail, reputable news source that it yeah. is, was saying that like Neymar to Madrid is happening. I mean, like, how much truth is how much the fire only, is the only, that smoke? The only reason I would say that that could happen is because. It's still just completely unclear how buying Mbappe and Neymar will fly under financial fair play. There's no, I've yet to see a legitimate reason for why that will fly other than UEFA being like, fine, whatever. That's cool. cool. You guys yeah. are Qatar. You're not going to run like out of money. Team. Yeah. yeah. But like, still though, his release clause is still 400 mil, isn't it? Is it not? I think so. Yeah. I mean, like, and well, at the same time, like, but it, like Namor just seems like the type of dude is just like, I'm not playing for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm playing go God of War to- in Rio. <laughs> he should just play for Brazil and not even play for a club I'm, re- I'm rehabilitating <laughs> myself on this PS4. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, but at the same time, like, I guess, you know. Talk for- to me about the star power thing, though. I mean, like, the, okay, the, so- the, beyond Pogba and Mourinho's problem, you see what I'm saying, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, like, I guess that Ryan probably had the best idea for Tottenham, but like, I've heard that he will probably not want to say on air. Do you just, just repeat it? Okay. I, I don't, I don't remember. He's got no, a responsibility for this. He's, he was just like, instead of giving Daniel Levy, uh, because Pochettino oh, yeah. had pressured, pressured Daniel Levy into basically giving up the bag so he can get some new players for next season and actually challenge on a meaningful, in a meaningful way. And Ryan was just like, why don't you just give all of the money to Pochettino because he gets those players to play together. Right. That's right. essentially what you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it goes, I mentioned this to Chris off air. There's like a, there's this theory, theoretical way of looking at sports, like a sport like basketball where there's five players is a strong link sport where you're basically as good as the strongest link on your team because mm-hmm. there's only five people and you can have an outsized impact sure. individual. Some people think soccer. See the Cleveland Cavaliers. Exactly. Yeah. Some people think soccer. <laughs> See Bron Solo. Soccer, on the other hand, is because it's eleven pieces, is a weak link sport. Yeah. So you're only as good as your weak link. Other people think have a theory that you're only as good as your third best player. Which both <laughs> points point to what Chris is saying that, like having an outsized influence on your team, may disrupt sort of the balance of your team sure. the quality balance and it can also balance imbalance the sort of style that your manager wants to play i yeah, am right? i definitely team have stars yeah. i'm definitely i like yeah. team dope soccer players i just am team a, a get convert. paid also team i'm a convert to the church of virgil van dyke and i am a convert to the church of like having a, a big unit like defending for you is like as yeah. important as having yeah. a cool Brazilian. Well, the thing is that like at the same, <laughs> if we're talking about if we're talking about our team, the reason that we that that United has, despite finishing as high as they did with the point tower that they did, I mean, and we're gonna forget the last three games of the season, but the fe- the reason that they're not as good as they should be is because United 
on a very base level is missing something that's essential to the way that Mourinho likes to play a game, which is like, we need a settled defense. You yeah. can't keep playing Phil Jones and Chris Muller next to each other. It's also not 2004. That's the other issue. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Donnie, I guess the, uh, the exception to this rule would be Arsenal, and I'm not being funny because you guys have <laughs> repeatedly sold your best player. We're as good as Mustafi, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm saying you guys have re repeatedly sold your best player, and it, it, in a way, it's it's sort of where some of these like teams, like the mid 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 tier teams that get rated, it kind of like eventually it catches up with you. And Arsenal has repeatedly sold the Sanchez's, the Fabregas's over the years, and now is at a point where their best player is a player who should probably be pl be playing with a lot of other really good players rather than like being the best player on the team. Like Ozil shouldn't be your best player. That's not how he's good, the, the best he is. Yeah, I mean, I've been arguing that for a while, uh, much to Ryan's chagrin, that Ozil... No, you were arguing that Ozil is not good. That's, <laughs> no, that's no, a totally different thing. I mean, I, we shouldn't get too sidetracked here. It's not, that, it's, not that, <laughs> it's not that Ozil isn't good, it's just that he's not the player to build you a team around. can't run your he's, team through Ozil. Yeah, he's a luxury yeah. piece. He's yeah. like, a, a, you know, like a luxury car, one that you don't need, but one that, you know you can ride and get compliments for, uh, but not something that you need, you can depend on. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, is that into your question? I just, yeah, it just does. dissed Ozil. Ozil, <laughs> Ozil and uh, De Bruyne had the same sort of chance creation, underlying chance creation numbers this year. And obviously De Bruyne had like seven or eight more assists. And that sort of just goes to what we're saying in that, De Bruyne People creating finishing, these chances for yeah. Man City is while what makes Ozil them... was passing to wasteful teammates. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, you know that that said, Obama Yang has how many goals since he's come to the team? Like tons of goals, most of them playing <laughs> without Ozil. So you know, we can score without without the, Ozil. The, exactly. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's something to look forward to for next year. People scoring without Ozil because he'll be having a cold for most of the, <laughs> <laughs> the World Cup time. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back with some brief awards for the 2017-18 season. Today's episode of The Ringer FC is brought to you by SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there is a simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether you're catching your favorite musician on tour, shopping for the perfect gift, or searching for a last-minute deal to see your favorite team. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. Nothing beats being there in person for the biggest plays of the year, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code RINGERFC today. That's promo code RINGERFC for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, right seat right now, right from your phone. Okay, we are back. Guys, hit me with one award for the 2017-18 season. Donnie, let's start with you. All right, I'm going to give you guys a choice. Um, I wanted to make an award for Donnie Kwok's worst prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go through them really quickly. It's a very elastic definition of this segment. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, first of all, just for the record, I predicted Southampton would stay up. So give me credit for that one. All right. So I said, uh, I was just, go- <laughs> just going over my notes Keep over that the in year. Mind. I said, uh, Tony Pulis would bring West Brom to 10th this season. I said, uh, Hesse was going to tear it up for Stoke. I said, Leicester City was going to fall apart after dumping Shakespeare for Claude Puel. Uh, I said Marko Arnautovic signing for West Ham was like throwing money into the ocean. And I think the winner here, maybe you guys can agree or disagree, is I said that at the beginning of the season, Alexander Lacazette would win the golden boot. Hmm. And uh, he only came up 18 goals short. I think that what <laughs> I, I, I think that's a bad prediction, but I think we can't possibly quantify what impact Alexander Lacazette's <laughs> failure to get the golden boot <laughs> motivated Harry Kane to come in yes, second. Yes, that's true. And that's that's really what we're all talking about here. Uh, Ryan, what about you? What's your award for the 2017-18 season? Let me just say season? to Donnie, uh, Tony Pulis may get Middlesbrough promoted. So <laughs> you sort of got that one right if you look I at it. I wanted to ask Ryan, too, how Renato Sanchez was doing. <laughs> Has he turned around Swansea's idiot? Uh, check back with me in uh, 10 years on that one. Uh, my award is for the best team in the world, and that goes to Liverpool. No. <laughs> oh, my God. No, uh, mine, disgust me. mine is for the one-man team award. Uh, goes to Eden Hazard, a guy who I may have privately called over one of the most overrated players in the world at one point. Uh, so I want to say that I'm completely wrong about that. I'm just going to list off some stats for Hazard. Leads the league in completed dribbles with 6.1 per game. He is an incredibly good passer for an attacking midfielder, 84%, which is like a center midfielder number. He's third in the league in chances created per 90 minutes, sixth in the league in shots on target, led Chelsea in goals, only had four assists, but he was let down by his teammates uh, finishing-wise more than any player in the league. And most importantly, he led Chelsea in progressive passes and runs. So... moving the ball up the field, whether by a pass or by dribbling. And he also led Chelsea as in progressive passes received. <laughs> so that, that means that uh, Hazard was the best scorer, the best creator, the best dribbler, the best at moving the ball up the field, and then the best at receiving passes up the field. So essentially he was Chelsea's entire team in a way. Hmm. Um, without him, I, I they're like a bottom 10 team basically can can you imagine him can you imagine what he could do if he was in shape (laughs) (laughs) he's the he's the best sneakily chubby premier league player not to body shame rfd i think it plays (laughs) that probably plays to his advantage uh michael what about you uh my award will be for best comeback which is actually just kind of like best game and what kind of man would i be if i didn't bring up sevilla and liverpool (laughs) 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 uh to jog your memory uh in the the, (laughs) match day five this isn't even a premier league award you're just being a dick Why didn't you oh, pick United over City? That's well, I mean, a big like, comeback. okay, no, I've, I've, uh, jokes aside, the best comeback of the year is definitely the best Premier League comeback of the year is definitely United over City, uh, because there were at least for each of these teams at least four different versions of Manchester City and Manchester United playing, and the one that won out was uh, the Manchester United team that scored twice after the restart in ten minutes. And this was immediately after Paul Pogba, the morning of, had that story come out about how basically Mina he was, led, offered, to he was City. offered to City. Yeah. 
And then seriously, the most just this is the best game of the year just for scoring that third goal. The the second was it the second or third? It was a, it was the second goal, and punting the ball into the stands and cupping his ear was just kind of like iconic. And then you know then I had to begrudgingly be happy about Chris Smalling because he scored the winning goal, and then there were City fans crying in the stands at full time. It was just theatrical stuff. Could we rename that award as best completely meaningless game of the year? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, like, should we not talk, can I, should I not talk about Schalke and Dortmund? I mean, because that was the most amazing game of the year by far. Yeah, I mean, it's fine if you want to open it up to, like, the pan-global game. I just don't want to just, you know, dwell on 2017-18 Europa League. Wait, wait, Chris, that's all. <laughs> Chris, what's your award? Uh, my award for manager of the year goes to Rafa Benitez. Uh, um, yeah. Rafa Benitez, who I think makes a really good, does a really good job of making sure everybody knows mm-hmm. what a tough spot he's in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so credit to him for at least, you know, this that's actually experience. That's actually just like, I've been managing in England for a long time in good situations and bad. And I know how to basically push the storyline that like I'm making the best with this pile of crap that a corporate ratings sporting goods magnate has left me you know after he's done shoving a pint of beer in the stands and taking off his helicopter he essentially like i mean by by, to hear rafa (laughs) say it he was essentially working with like you know 12 million euros this some this entire year and everything was based off sales and and crafty loans i think that he had a little bit more to play with than that but when you consider the um the negligence that Newcastle has dealt with by their owner ownership over the last five or six years, and this like kind of nutty fake takeover story yeah, that, that clouded the entire ha- second half of the season or beginning of the, at the January transfer window when this woman named Amanda Stavely was apparently going to buy <laughs> Newcastle for cash as kind of part <laughs> of the head of a consortium <laughs> of Middle Eastern investors. And then it turned out that she just had like an LLC and nobody had really like rocked with her before. And it was, I mean, essentially it was just like Mike Ashley was like cut the check and she was like about uh, that. <laughs> and David Kahn blew up her spot in the Guardian and that was pretty much that. I mean, maybe she'll come back and buy the squad. I don't know. But absolutely like ridiculous like English football headlines surrounding Newcastle all season. All he does is come in 10th with a, I couldn't even name five guys on Newcastle besides DeAndre Yedlin. So shout out to Rafa Benitez. That's like just really that's, good management. That's and, disrespectful to John Joe Shelby. And Jamal LaSalle's. <laughs> but there's a lot of managerial openings. Rafa's, that war chest is not coming, dog. So just like <laughs> if, if Rafa Benitez hadn't already been fired by Chelsea, I would say what a perfect catch for Chelsea. Honestly, what an amazing hire for Arsenal. He would mm. be the, you know, organize things and be there for two years. Arsenal fans may not like it, but you want to get back in the CL. Rafa Benitez with that team, come on. We need to... Like a caretaker manager, yeah. Amidst all this, we also need to credit him for, you know, the subtext of his complaining is that my team's fucking not good. Yes. And he doesn't... The players don't Don't quit quit on him him somehow. I I don't know how he does Every year, Neil Warnock does that, and they quit on him after 18 months. So it's pretty impressive. We're going to take another quick break, and we'll be back to talk about Micah Peters... LAFC Ultra. Today's episode of Ringer FC is brought to you by Ring. It's actually, it's not a company that we started at Ringer FC, but it is a cool new company. You might have seen them on Shark Tank a few years ago, and the concept is kind of genius. 
If someone rings your doorbell and you aren't home or you don't want to answer, you can respond to the person using just your smartphone, adding a level of both security and convenience. Today, over a million people are using the Ring video doorbell, and now Ring has a great new product called the Ring Floodlight Cam. Just like Ring's amazing doorbell, Floodlight Cam is a motion-activated camera and floodlight with HD video and two-way audio that lets you know the moment anyone steps onto your property. You can see and speak to visitors or even set a built-in alarm right from your phone. Simply put, with Ring, you're always home. I live on a pretty residential street, so we have... It's uncommon to get non-delivery guests. <laughs> and the Ring has been great to know, like, hey, what's up, man? You try to sell me a house? Try to just maybe deliver a pizza to the wrong place? It's that extra layer of security that's really great for me and my family. Um, I, I love it. I use it. So you should definitely check out Ring for our listeners. You can save up to $150 off a Ring of Security Kit when you go to ring.com slash FC. That's up to $150 off ring.com slash FC. That's ring.com slash FC. We're back. Micah, we wanted to ask you because... You did a little bit of field reporting this weekend. I did go to the LAFC, NYCFC. That is a lot of letters, Well, when you have two teams with such history, it's hard sometimes. (laughs) You get overwhelmed. In New York City, FC. So, game is a home game for LAFC. A home game, yeah. In their new new spot, uh, Bank America. Bank of California Stadium. Bank of California Stadium. BANC. And it is a gorgeous venue. Talk, Talk to us about it. I mean, like, okay, so they have basically... All of there's this weird thing when you go to like Carson to go watch an LA LA Galaxy game where the sun is in your face. Like if you're (laughs) if you're sitting on the opposite side, if you're sitting on the wrong side of the stadium, it's like not a pleasurable experience. Sometimes it's like driving back from Vegas. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) but like everything everything at LAFC is covered. And the thing is that like when you walk into the stadium, the ultras are already going, and they have been going for quite some time. Like okay. It's singing. I mean, yeah, they. I mean, like they're they're singing. The drums are going. There's flags from everywhere. There's like there's there's flags from everywhere. There's. Uh, I mean, they sing along with the intro music as the team is walking out of the tunnel. There's also the beginning of the like the pregame sequence where they roll out these massive, like, block column torch things that yeah. say LAFC on them, mm-hmm. and then they have a. They have somebody, one of the one of the people that is like uh, the majority shareholders or whatever. Mm-hmm. This time it was Mia Hamm, walks out with a falcon. It was Will Ferrell when I went. Yeah, and <laughs> and the falcon they they let it go. They take the they take the, they take the blinders off of it, and the falcon just does loops and and the and, and then the, it lands back on the glove, and then it lands back next to like like the caretaker. Were the ultras going? Ape shit Ape when that shit. happened. Yeah, yeah they, they were going they, insane. Like every time he, the the falcon goes down for a pass, they go ole, and it's just like it's <laughs> such a it's such a it's surreal like they've never experience. Seen a bird before. It's, it's amazing. Awesome. How <laughs> was the football itself? The football. Okay, so the game took a, a really long time to settle down. Probably like the first because people were so hype. Or what? I mean, like no, I'm just talking about like the the the, the players themselves. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, after the, you see that falcon, you're yeah. Yeah. you just get everywhere. so amped. And yeah. so, but I mean, like yeah, the it was the gameplay was a little sloppy. It was like a touch and go for like the first. It took a really long time for the game to settle down. Uh, but there was the PK. Like okay, so <laughs> they had this uh, this VAR decision for the first goal, and it was kind of like the the play had already moved on, and then you know referee calls time so he can go 
check the replay and then they award a PK and uh, for I forget who the handball was on but anyway like it was I think that that was probably the point the most pointed example of like how VAR changes the pace of a game right because anything is still like up for grab like it can mm-hmm. always turn back the time yeah there's yeah. another one like at full time where he had to go and review something after the final whistle whistle had already gone but it ended up being nothing but it could have been something kind of like that Bundesliga game yeah where, yeah yeah where they gave a PK after the players had already gone down the tunnel after Hamburg had already lit their stadium on fire <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this peak, the but the PK was great because it was David Villa and uh really like really poorly taken, like down the center of the goal, easy save for the keeper. Everybody starts cheering and then they get the put back and it's just kind of like you feel the oh. air go out of the out of the stadium. <laughs> how how was uh, how was Carlos Vela the guy? Carlos Vela, um, well Carlos Vela took a while to get going, but. I mean, the entire the attack flows through Latif Blessing, really. Mm-hmm. And like Carlos Vela is there to finish everything off. Usually he's like a steady pair of hands at the top. Like he can play like the point striker if you need him to, but he often drifts off to the side. But him getting time on the top of the box is one of the most dangerous things that can happen sure. in the MLS. Sure. And I mean, like he's definitely like, uh, I guess I would say a level. It's. The quality is obvious, I guess. So LAFC were wearing it. all white and NYFC were wearing black, right? NYCFC or whatever. They were wearing, yeah, it was kind of like that dark blue dark Manchester gray City thing. Yeah. I thought, so like, why isn't LAFC wearing black? They were wearing black the game I was out. Yeah. Well, because I, I, I thought LA Galaxy was doing I white. Think they got to sell both kits, Chris. I guess yeah. so. Yeah. You, you're the kit lord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you walk out with like, you know, a greater appreciation of MLS or did you just say like, that was pretty cool? I think the, the to- the overall experience was just kind of like, this is a really fun afternoon out. And yeah. like, I saw like the, in where I saw that they were, they're going to have a, uh, a friendly with uh, Dortmund on the 22nd. Yeah. And I was just like, Hmm, I might need to come back for that. Dortmund <laughs> with their new manager, Lucien Favre, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yep. Christian Pulisic. Yeah. Also, it's just like, I got to say that when uh, <laughs> the most perfect image was probably when LAFC scored their equalizer and a guy wearing like a windbreaker from like the John Mayer tour and like, <laughs> and an LAFC scarf stood up and threw his beer off of the top of the, <laughs> of the awning. Yeah. That was, that was probably like, you know, that kind of explains the entire yeah. I think LAFC is pretty close to being the unofficial team of this podcast. And I say that as someone who should probably be cheering for the Philadelphia Union. Have you gone to a game yet? No. You should check it out. Yeah. I went to the opener. Uh um, And it was, I think I agree with Micah. It's it's definitely a really nice way to spend an afternoon or an evening. Um, It's a spaceship. The stadium's beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, a good soccer stadium, the whole point is that every seat is a good seat because of the way that it's built. Yeah. but I, I think LAFC is a good team. They're doing well because they have Bob Bradley, who I think is just a more accomplished manager than a lot of the other MLS managers. And they have Carlos Vela, who, if he stays healthy, is probably going to just score record a record-breaking amount of goals, I would imagine. Um, they also the, got the number two option with Diamande signing from Hull recently. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. If that doesn't 
uh, hype you guys up. Oh, I don't yeah. know what will. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think the, the team itself is not, they're not an Atlanta United sort of grab you by the shirt collar, exciting, uh, exciting style of play team. Yeah, I, I I don't know if that'll it'll be interesting to see if that matters. how long because it's, it's novelty, and everyone around here that I know knows about LAFC whether or not they care about soccer. But it'll be interesting to see how important because we're seeing it with Atlanta. That team doesn't have superstars; they have a bunch of really good, super exciting young players and play in a fun way, and that's caught people's attention. It'll right. be interesting to see does LAFC try to build that out? Does that even matter, um, or do they go the superstar route and see? Okay, well, we'll keep our eyes on LAFC, the official team of the ringer. Until next time, for Donnie, Micah, and Ryan, I'm Chris. We'll be back in two weeks probably to preview the Champions League and talk about the World Cup, which is coming really right around the corner. Peace! Today's episode of The Ringer FC was brought to you by Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book. No long, endless lists of a zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. It's perfect for whether you're a planner or like to leave things to the very last minute. And with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. So start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app now.